Another chapter in the Qualcomm patent saga has unfolded, this time dealing Qualcomm a heavy blow. A U.S. district court has ruled against the company, saying Qualcomm violated antitrust laws in the way it sells and licenses cell phone chip technology. The ruling comes at a time when the company has been fighting for dominance over 5G technology against China's Huawei. For the San Diego Union-Tribune, I'm Daniel Wheaton. This is your San Diego News Fix. Mike Freeman, you cover technology for the Union Tribune, and that includes Qualcomm. And there was some big news that happened this morning in regards to an antitrust lawsuit. Why don't you explain, what was that lawsuit about? Well, that lawsuit was brought by the U.S. Federal Trade Commission, and it was regarding Qualcomm's business practices in licensing patents. And it was a very complicated case, but you know, in a nutshell, the FTC contended that Qualcomm leveraged its dominance in cell phone chips, baseband chips that connect the phones to the cell towers, um, in patent license negotiations to charge too much uh, for patents. So basically, smartphone makers needed its chips. Uh, They were the best chips. And uh, in order to uh, use them, they had to agree to these patent license fees that were um, super competitive is what the term of art is, but, you know, high. Um, And so that's what the FTC alleged, and um, that case, there was a trial on that case in January, about four weeks, uh, four months later, the judge, the judge was was ruling, there was no jury, the judge ruled uh, pretty much in favor of the FTC uh, in all claims, so it was kind of a clean sweep. So basically, Qualcomm was just going too far when it came to giving its services to other companies to use, right? Well, it was going too far in its business practices of tying a chip sale to licensing patents, to a separate fee for licensing patents. So it sells those two things as, as different products. Uh, it's so it has a portfolio of like 140,000 patents. Many of them are related to cellular technology. Some of them are not. But it charges on the, on the price of the phone for those. So it's a percentage like uh, 2%, 3%, 5% of the device price. You pay uh, smartphone makers, pay Qualcomm a patent royalty. And these are for their inventions, right? This is the stuff they invented. Uh, They largely invented 3G um, CDMA. They um, uh, were a large player in 4G, and they're expected to be a a large player in 5G. So anyway, then, you you know, a smartphone maker also can buy a chip, and they can buy chips from a lot of different people. Uh, But, you know, Qualcomm said, we won't sell you a chip unless you take a patent license. And that's what the FTC objected to, tying those two together. Certainly. And what was the initial reaction from Qualcomm after this news came down early this morning? Well, they're going to appeal. They strongly disagree um, with the ruling um, by Judge Coe. Uh, they think she got the facts and um, you know the law wrong on this one. So they're going to go up to the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals and uh, they're going to seek an expedited um, appeal process. Don't know exactly how that's going to work out. And also, this comes at an interesting time for Qualcomm. We spoke about a month ago about what was going on with Apple and how they settled that disagreement. So what does this new lawsuit now mean post-Apple, post that agreement over a similar problem? Well, I, it, it means that um, so they, they, when they settled with Apple, um, that agreement is, uh, supposedly stands. It is not going to be renegotiated. So, you know, what Apple pays is what Apple pays. And, and Qualcomm has signed a chip supply agreement with them as well, multi-year. 
Um, so those those deals have been inked, and this probably won't change that in terms of terms. However, Judge Code did require um, that Qualcomm negotiate or renegotiate licenses with um, other customers um, out there. And so it will probably be for its standard essential patents, which are separate from its entire portfolio. So, I mean, it's going to have to, it could be a, a messy, onerous process for them to go through and renegotiate um, these patent license agreements with um, other smartphone makers. Mm-hmm. And uh, this comes at a really rocky time for the company in general. The past couple of years have been a real roller coaster. There have been layoffs in San Diego. So does this just kind of take a company that looked like it was finally on the upswing? Does this, like, is this having direct impacts on stock price and things like that right now? Oh, yes. It's definitely having an impact on stock price. I mean, their stock price was down more than 10% today. Um, and it will, uh, you know... It, the patent licensing business for Qualcomm, which, you know, they're, they're first and foremost kind of an invention company, right? They run around and pour a lot of money into research and development and, and, and move wireless standards and indus- wireless industry forward into these generations, like third generation technology, which, you know, basically allows you to hit your smartphone into the internet, fourth generation, which allows you to basically stream video to um, your, you know, 4G to your phone and 5G, which is all about, you know, even faster speeds and ubiquitous connectivity where everything in the in the planet, including cars and healthcare devices, are all going to be connected to the internet and, you know, kind of you can look at your phone and find out all kinds of stuff. So that is uh, like the thing that they invent. And the patent license fee part of that is the core funder of that research and development. So this promises to kind of break that business model they have of separating chip sales from patent license fees, right? To charge as two separate products for that. This ruling really calls into question whether they're going to continue to be able to do that. And that could hurt their R&D budget. And anything that hurts their, you know, research and development budget, you know, has going to have some trickle down effects. And we just don't know what those are yet. Um, but you know, it's going to be, um, an interesting situation. And then, you know, they could prevail on appeal, right? This is one judge's ruling. Um, so it could be a while before any of this kind of plays out in terms of, are they going to cut their R and D budget and that sort of thing, but it's on the table and that is going to certainly depress their stock price. Um, and there's going to create even more uncertainty kind of around, you know, where where this business model goes in the future. And uh, oddly enough, this ruling kind of gives uh, an advantage to one of Qualcomm's competitors, Huawei, which is looking to develop 5G technology. Why don't you kind of explain that kind of impact of this ruling? Well, so it's a weird dynamic um, that's going on now, and it's political, and it's, it's kind of a, a melding of, you know, antitrust law or it shows the conflicts between antitrust law and then like industrial policy in the U.S. So, you know, Trump administration in particular has been uh, very vocal in the need for the U.S. to be a leader in 5G, uh, the fifth generation wireless technology. Well, you know, Qualcomm is the U.S. leader in 5G kind of mobile chips, you know, the chips that the technology that goes into the devices themselves, the smartphones and you know, the cars eventually and anything that does that. So they're on the device side, not necessarily the network gear side, but they're deeply involved in the device side and they create a lot of the technologies and they participate in a lot of the standards uh, bodies that create these things. And so they're a big patent holder and a big inventor 
in 5G. The Chinese are also, and Huawei in particular, are also in this five in fifth generation, big patent holders and um, are making a big push to be uh, a major player in 5G. Uh, the U.S. fears that uh, you know this could create a security issue if um, you know Chinese uh, equipment um, and Chinese technology um, is adopted. There may be you know a security risk in that they could basically, if their equipment is running the networks, they could somehow turn it off um, at a crucial time or, you know, somehow manipulate it by the Chinese government. So that is kind of the fear. So, uh, you know, this strikes a blow, this ruling strikes a blow to Qualcomm's, you know, potentially strikes a blow to Qualcomm's financial R&D efforts um, at a time when it's in hot, hot competition with Huawei for, leadership in 5G technologies, and also at a time when the U.S. government has been raising, you know, a red flag about Huawei and the dangers of a, of a Chinese company with ties to the communist Chinese government, you know, being basically the infrastructure vendor and a, and a major 5G player um, in this kind of these new networks. So it's complicated, but that is that is kind of what's going on here, and, and it does strike a blow, you know, to Qualcomm in in the five G race. We know that Qualcomm is going to fight this ruling. So, what's the sense of a timeline? Is there um, anything going to happen in the short term, and is there anything the federal government could do to kind of intercede to protect Qualcomm, like it has done in the past? Well, it. I can't think of anything off, and I haven't talked to anybody at the moment who has said that the federal government could intervene in any way in this particular case um, that would, uh, you know, somehow protect or help Qualcomm. I mean, what could happen is during their appeal process, um, and Qualcomm is going to take it to the Ninth Circuit, and then likely if the Ninth Circuit upheld, upholds the uh, judge's decision. We don't, they could take it to the Supreme Court if the Supreme Court would accept it. Um, is that uh, the Department of Justice might join Qualcomm in appealing this ruling coming from another federal agency, the Federal Trade Commission? Uh, the U.S. Department of Justice does not agree with the the logic that the the legal logic that the um, FTC forwarded in this case. They don't think that. Um, you know, charging high patent fees is a antitrust violation. Uh, they they believe that that's a contract dispute, and um, so there is you know kind of legal issues in and around that that you would see the Department of Justice do. But again, I haven't talked to anybody yet who has said uh, we think that the U.S. government can intervene in any way here um, to somehow uh, help Qualcomm in this. And this is a developing story. You're still working on kind of getting the larger picture of what's going on. So what are the big questions that you're asking sources and you're hoping to find out as we head towards the weekend? Well, you know, we're still trying to find out what like the um, the impact would be or potentially would be and how serious it would be to, uh, you know, their R&D efforts if this uh, ruling stands. Uh, secondly, kind of what are their alternatives, right? I mean, so if this ruling basically requires you know, chip level licensing, which is, a, you know, a, a logical path you would take um, based on what she required, the judge co-required. Um, how does Qualcomm manage that? 
Um, and can they do that as uh, they are currently constituted, or do they need to think about splitting the company into two parts um, and separate businesses? Just what, what what's their business plan going forward? Um, it's too early to tell any of that stuff, but that's kind of the questions I'm trying to get at. And also kind of what, what will be the kind of the basis of their appeal, right? We, we don't, Qualcomm has made a very terse statement that, you know, we disagree um, with the judge's ruling. The judge's ruling is a 233 pages. So I'm trying to get a better sense as to, you know, where they might disagree, where they think that the judge erred in uh, either her consideration of the facts or her consideration of the law. And, um, you know, find out kind of where where those arguments may head um, going into the nice circuit. It's fluid, right? I mean, and I, you know, none of it's immediate. It, it is a uh, big deal because, you know, it, it was kind of a, a clean sweep, you know, for the FTC. I mean, uh, they, they won on pretty much uh, all grounds here. All right. Mike Freeman, thank you so much. Thank you. Bye. In other business news, SeaWorld had a great year. After years of flailing attendance numbers, the theme park chain had the biggest growth in attendance of any theme park. It grew by 20%. No other park achieved that. The second biggest growth was Disney's Animal Kingdom with only 10%. Part of why the surge happened is because of the changes the company made following the Blackfish documentary, as well as offering more deals, marketing themselves as a more affordable theme park option. Thanks for listening to the San Diego News Fix, which goes live weekdays at 5 p.m. Check out some of our other podcasts, too. The Conversation features topical interviews with newsmakers, and Hot Lava is our podcast about all things Padres. Go to sandiegoyunmanjubune.com slash podcasts for more. Until next time.